Welcome back to the Plugin for More podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about used electric vehicles and specifically what to look for if you're going to be buying one. As the market transitioned from being all new electric vehicles into having a plethora of used vehicles coming out and being available to buy, it's important to know what to look for because some of the lessons of buying an ICE vehicle don't exactly translate to an electric vehicle. Also, my Mach-E came in. I'm really excited to talk about that. Welcome to Plug In For More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. Tom, Ford Mach-E is now in your driveway. Question, did your dad get his before you did? I'm hoping the answer is yes. No, no, he didn't. In fact, I was able to pull some strings and ensured that that didn't happen. Um, you know, it's funny. We In the last episode, we talked about the frustrations with not knowing where your vehicle is, right? Um, and while it's being shipped. And somehow, magically, these car dealerships or car companies will ship these cars across the country and they have no idea where they're at exactly. Um, I had figured out a way to communicate through Ford via their chat feature, and they would tell me where it was based upon what information they had. Um, late last week, I had communicated with Ford, and they told me that it was on a rail yard in Missouri, which is a standard hub for Ford vehicles and where they're going to be transferred to the next location. Um, about four hours after Ford chat had told me that it was in fact in Missouri, I drove past my dealership and I saw a gray Mach-E sitting next to a red Mach-E, which is what my dad ordered. And I'm like, oh my goodness, my car is here. It's not Missouri. It's on a lot in Traverse City, Michigan. So super cool. I go in, I double check the VIN. It's mine. I end up going into the dealership. My salesman didn't even know that the car had come in yet. I had found it before he did. But in any case, exciting day, right? So the dealership people knew me and knew well enough to make sure my car was ready before my dad. So I got my car a day before him. So you picked on an old man, your father, and didn't let him enjoy Oh, all day. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. And just so mm-hmm. everyone knows, too, I did try to actually call the dealership to see if they could switch that, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't get through. So unfortunately for everyone else, Tom did get it before his father. Um, and I mean, your poor mother, I mean, she, that, that woman probably had to listen to your dad want to buy that car and talk about it day in, day out. And, you know, he, he didn't get it before you. So I'm, I think we should all shed, shed a tear, say, you know, say some words for their loss. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I was just going to, I was going to say, uh, Tom, your, your experience is, uh, is similar to mine. If you guys remember, you know, my dealer texted me and said, nope, not coming this week. It's going to be next week. It's still in transit. Literally five minutes later, I get a video of it being delivered. <laughs> so your experience in mine is such the same. It's crazy. Well, I'm glad you got it. The car looks, it looks fantastic. You know, give us your first impressions. What do you think about it? You know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't want to be too in love with it right off the get go and, and have disappointment, but like, it's like we've talked about before, it's the select, it's the entry level model. So there's a lot of things that it just, it doesn't have and that's okay. Um, 
a lot of things also I expected coming into it. Like as far as the range is concerned, it's a standard range model. So I know that the EPA guidelines on it are 224 miles, but that is assuming for perfect conditions. And we know that with weather, you're going to have battery or energy loss due to heating the cabin and heating the battery, which is what I'm seeing right now in my car, depending on temperature is between 20 to 30%. I haven't seen more than 30%. And I think some of it has to do with proper preconditioning versus not. Um, so while I wasn't surprised by that, it's still a little disheartening, but at the same time, the car at 90% charge right now has 180 miles of range according to my app, but no, it's, it's fast. It's smooth. It's quiet. And I was just telling Brian before the call, it is probably the best car that I have ever driven in the winter, hands down. And that's going against the Tahoe's I used to drive for work. It's my Ram that I used to drive. Um, I had a Chrysler Pacifica all-wheel drive at one point. That was pretty sweet. Going back to the days when I worked in television, we drove Subaru Impreza's years and years ago, and I always held those as a pretty high benchmark for being good in the winter. So this thing is really impressive, and it's with the standard Michelin tires that are on it that come from the factory. So I'm excited to see, even with the tire upgrade, how that does. Yeah, I was impressed, Tom. I was impressed that you uh, like it so much in the winter. Like we talked about my EV6 is okay. It's not awesome, but it also has different, it doesn't have Michelin, it has Kumo, um, like a Krugen or whatever tires on it that I've been reading about not are great in the winter. And yeah, it's not, it's not the worst car I've ever had in the winter, but it's definitely not better than my truck. So I'm excited to see uh, maybe next winter if I put snows on it, because I've read in the forums um, and, and talked to other EV6 owners in Michigan that have winters on and they say the car just kills, but I'm glad mm -hmm. yours is is killer in the winter with just its stock Michelin. That's awesome. What do you like about the, uh, you know, some of the cool features you've never had before, Tom? Any, anything new technology-wise? So for me, new stuff technology-wise is the lane keep assist or lane centering and the adaptive cruise control. That's all new stuff for me, and that's pretty cool to have that work. It's all kind of coupled with the blue cruise technology as well that Ford has, which is the hands-free driving, but that only works on freeways. I have yet to test that out. And I would like to be able to do that before my 90-day trial for Blue Cruise expires because um, I want to make sure that it's going to be worth that subscription going forward. But as much as little freeway driving as I do, I don't think it's going to be worth it. I think it's like $600 for three years. Um, I'm probably not going to go that route. And the only other thing that comes with that subscription besides the Blue Cruise is the 360 camera, which isn't worth it to me either. Yeah, I mean, for me, if because we do a lot of road trips, that would probably be something I would look at. But, you know, if that's not your use case, then, you know, right. especially for northern Michigan, it's a lot of two-lane roads, a lot of backcountry driving. It's not going to be, you know, major highways for hours on end. Yeah, and for listeners across the country where exactly we're located, I am an hour away from our closest freeway. So it's the 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 chance of getting to the freeway is probably slim and I don't do a lot of road trips. At least we're not right now. So I'm not that worried about it. So overall positive? Absolutely. Yeah. Overall positive. Um I, I like the car a lot. And the big thing with my my partner, I was worried that she wasn't going to like it because of all the technology stuff in it. And I think she would drive a model A if she could, um, just to avoid tech stuff. But she loves it. And um she's really kind of latched onto the one pedal driving and is we're going to use that kind of as our primary family car and keep the gas vehicle that would traditionally be hers. We're going to keep that as just a, a backup vehicle for now. So it's, it's a nice transition for us to 
try to save some money and be more efficient and reduce our carbon footprint. That's awesome. Love it. Can't wait to hear more as you uh, get to experience new things with it. So yeah. Thing Mike, anything on your side, any Rivian stories or anything? No, I mean, with the Rivian, we, uh, I've hit 1000 miles on that vehicle already. Um, you know, I just keep getting a ton of people asking about the truck that they ask, is that the new Tesla truck? And the answer to that is no, it is, you know, who's it made by Rivian? Who's Rivian? You know, where, where is it from? Um, all that kind of stuff. So that's been a blast to, to kind of go through and, you know, pop the, pop top the hood and show people, you know, there's you know, space you can use it for. Um, Home Depot was very interesting. Um, you know, getting nothing loaded up and uh, having people ask questions, especially when you open up the gear tunnel and put stuff in there, people um, really stop and take a look. So um, no, it's, it's as I expected. Um, and, and if not better, I have nothing negative to say about that truck um, other than, the Alexa um, argument that my kids have. So when you say Alexa, you know, all the kids in the background are, are fighting over who says Alexa. So I've turned that off now. Um, so I'm not hearing Alexa this, Alexa that for every moment the kids are in the car. Other than that, I love it. The Maki has the built-in Alexa too, and I turn that off right away. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. disable, delete, get that off the screen. So the kids do not need to know that exists. Oh, mine do. And they keep wondering what, where Alexa went. So it's uh, <laughs> Alexa went bye-bye for the, for the, for the time being. But. So as you're talking about going to Home Depot and putting wood into the gear tunnel, I just had this vision of I can't wait to see this because we both know or all know that this is going to happen, is that somebody's going to try to start moving two-by-fours in their gear tunnel, and they're going to drive down the road with their eight-foot two-by-fours sticking <laughs> horizontally through that car. Like, it's going to happen. <laughs> It is. I mean, we we could make a video on that. Um, not going to, but it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. You're listening to the Plug In for More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. All right, so we want to dive in. What's going on? My dog. What's going on? <laughs> this is a good bloopers episode, Tom. Uh, oh, I'm going to cut out most of the jokes that I made because they just yeah, well, seem low effort. He's going to pee in the corner. <laughs> Why is your dog going to pee in the corner? I know. He's is a, he not potty he's trained? You want to come we're trying to we're, we're trying to have a professional podcast. Well, does this look professional to you? <laughs> inspiring confidence across the globe. Yeah. Well. All right. So we'll jump into now the the point of the topic for this episode for uh, buying a used electric vehicle and some of the things to look for and things that aren't going to exactly translate from an ICE vehicle to an electric vehicle. And if you compile a list of things that we're going to cover here just to make sure that you're informed going forward buying used EVs as more used EVs come to market. Bryant, can you start us off with what you think is the most important thing that we should be looking for? Yeah, no, thanks, Tom. I think uh, the number one is going to be determining how much the battery has degraded. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the number one concern that people are going to have. I think there's a couple ways you can you can take this and, and do it. You could obviously take the car that you're thinking about buying 
do the service department, um, and they can give you a detailed report on battery health. That's probably the most accurate. If you want, if you don't want to do that, you can you know take the vehicle and charge it to one hundred percent and see what the range says. Now, the caveat of that is if it's in the wintertime, like Tom was just talking about, his range is a lot lower. Or if you've driven on the freeway recently, you know, 75 miles an hour, the range is going to be a lot different. But those are two ways you can do it. And obviously compare what the 100% charges to what the original rating. So you can give it, that can give you an idea. Um, there's just a lot of factors there. Um, Mike, you've, you've had some stats around in the past around you know, percentages of battery degradation, you know, degrades this percent per year. Anything to chime in with there? Any research you've done? Yeah. So, I mean, what you'll typically see, and this is what I've seen with my EVs and, you know, for the listeners who haven't um, listened to our podcast before, I've owned a number of different EVs over the years. Um, I think I'm at number seven or eight at this point. But what you're going to see over the first three years is that the batteries typically will degrade to a total of about 10%. So they'll have 90% of their capacity left thereabouts. Um, and so about 3% a year, you know, sometimes it can be less, sometimes it can be more. Um, and as the batteries and the ba- battery management systems get better and better, we're seeing less and less degradation. But that's typically what we've seen, especially when you look at a large number of Teslas um, in the you know Model S, Model uh, X range, when those were first coming out and those have the most data on them, um, just from sheer number of cars produced and that sort of thing. So that's really what you're looking for um, is, you know, typically about 10% you're going to, you're going to lose over those first couple of years. Um, but beyond that, that um, if you look at if you're looking at a chart or a graph of the degradation, it really levels off after that point. You're still going to lose a little bit, but over the next ten years or so, it really doesn't lose a whole lot more beyond that. And I will say I have seen that myself with my Tesla Roadster. That car is running on thirteen years at this point, and I have about eighty five percent of battery capacity left. And that's on you know that's the original car with a lithium ion battery. And it's still doing very, very well. Um, and that's what we're seeing kind of across the board. Um, another thing just in that realm of degradation, if you're looking at um, Teslas, for example, especially those early Model S's and X's, is the more that they're supercharged, the, and this is across the board, I guess, for any any electric vehicle, the more they go through a DC fast charging process, the more degradation you're going to see because that's hard on batteries. So if you see people are going to a supercharger and that's it, they're not charging at home on a level two or a level one, they're going to have more degradation. So that's a question. If you are talking to someone who's selling their car, if it's a private seller, you know, how are you charging your car? Um, are you going to supercharger all the time? Or are you charging at home? What's your setup? Um, along with if they're charging to 100% all the time, because that's not good for the battery. If they're charging less than that, you know, and again, this depends on the vehicle, if it's going to be 70 to 90% in that in that range, but that's what is usually recommended by the manufacturer to keep it at max until you go on a trip. Um, so if people are charging every day to 100%, that's not great for your battery, and you will see more degradation over that process. Um, one other thing to look for is if you are... Um, if you are looking at some Teslas or, again, there's some other uh, manufacturers that do this as well, you can actually get into the, the diagnostic screen within the car um, in the service mode. And you can run sort of a battery test at that point, and you can get an idea of the battery health there. End of the day, when you're looking at this, this is something people are concerned about is because it's a big cost, but we're really not seeing that many failures and that many issues with batteries anyways. And the... 
frankly, the warranties are so long on these things, typically eight years and 100,000 miles, sometimes even more than that. So it, unless you're buying a car that's close to being on a warranty or you plan on keeping it for a very, very long time, it's not as big of an issue as people make it out to be. And, and that warranty that you hit on, that's actually a federal government mandate. It's, it's not, it's the federal government requires eight years, 100,000 miles on both electric vehicles and hybrid electric vehicle batteries. I think California is 10 years, 150,000 miles in addition to the federal government mandate. So it's across the board. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that, that really gives, I mean, some peace of mind. Um, again, it, if you're looking at getting an early Model S though, that's something to be um, to really look at because they're starting to see some some battery failures there with those cars that are just out of warranty. So, um, but right, and so then we start with the, the warranty information. We start hitting on the idea of miles and mileage on cars, which would be a traditional marker for an ICE vehicle. Is the mileage that's going to be accumulated onto an electric vehicle as something to be as considered as a, an ICE vehicle? No, you got to look at the car differently. So instead of looking at how many miles it's gone through, you really need to look at one, what kind of charging, just like I went through before. So is it being charged 100% all the time? Um, is there a lot of DC fast charging or supercharging all the time? Um, so those are some of the initial components. Miles do factor in when you're talking about tires. Brakes, most people are not even seeing, you know, they're seeing 100,000 miles or more on their original brakes. I mean, the because of regenerative braking, you're really not using them much at all for an EV. Um, but, you know, it's tires, it's suspension components, and, you know, anything that's rubber or plastic on the car is going to wear out over time. So it's those types of things that will happen just like any other car over that time frame. But, you know, you're not, um, you're not dealing with other type of fluid changes and that sort of thing that would, um, you know, if someone didn't change their oil, that's something to really be concerned about. You don't have to worry about that with an EV. Um, so right. it's really, it's really just, time and how the battery was taken care of um and then obviously looking a little bit on the the miles for the suspension components and that sort of thing but um that's about it it's a lot simpler mike you talked about the battery replacement i think that's you know at least my friends who don't don't know evs they always send me articles of a, a chevy you know bolt battery replaced and you know how it's not really common to have batteries replaced you talked about with the tesla model s but you know, is, is, is that one of the things you should look at is has the battery been replaced or is it, is it just pretty rare that batteries are being replaced? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's rare if you look at the total number, it really is. Um, and you look at the older cars, there's going to be more of the older cars having their battery replaced than the newer ones. One, just because of time frame, how long they've been on the road, but two, because the technology's gotten better and better. Um, but it's really not, it's, it, when I'm talking to, you know, family, friends, um, you know, people coming, you know, coming to the website asking, you know, what do I need to be aware of? It's not something I'm typically like, you know, spend a whole bunch of time worrying about this or looking at this. Just like, you know, if you're looking at someone who's buying a three-year-old, uh, you know, suburban, um, you know, do you need to worry about replacing that engine anytime soon? No. It's, it's frankly, it's even less than that. There's a lot less components when you're looking at even the motor and, and that sort of thing. So no, uh, I mean, definitely check it out just like anything else. I mean, buyer beware when you're getting into these things, but it's not something I would ever lose any sleep over. 
Gotcha. That's helpful. Um, you know, I think, you know, another thing that comes to mind is we're talking about battery degradation and, and range. And I think it's a question around, you know, how much do you drive your car? And like Tom was talking about, you know, he doesn't go on the freeway very much. And so is there an opportunity, you know, if you only are going to use a vehicle as a commuter car and it is losing, you know, 20% of its range, is that okay? Um, you know, ex example comes to mind is the Nissan Leaf. Is a, is, a, is a lower range car, but for just an average commute, it's going to be, you know, fine. Commuting 50, 60, 70 miles a day shouldn't be a problem. Um, but I do think, though, something else to think about besides range is is speed of charging. So that same Nissan Leaf, you know, has a, I don't want to get too detailed here, but it has a 6.6 .6 onboard kilowatt charger. Um, and it's going to take a lot, lo a lot longer to top that off than a new Rivian or, you know, a new Mach-E or a new EV6. But Guys, what are your thoughts around, you know, what's more important? Is it range or is it charging speed? And maybe not what's more important, but what should people be looking for? Is it better to have a longer range and it charges slower? Or is it a shorter range, charges faster? What are your guys' thoughts there? The way I look at that is how big is your bladder? I mean, that's that's it. Like when you're on a long road trip, if you, I mean, even if you're looking at 220, 240 miles of range, that's two hours of driving. You know, how long, you know, I guess, how often do you need to stop? For me, I've got a couple of kids if I'm going on a road trip and we're not going more than two hours without stopping anyways. So then at that point, it's really how fast is it charging? Like I don't want to be sitting there for an hour, 45 minutes if it's a real slow you know, trickle charge or something like that. So for me, that that's a bigger concern than uh, overall range. Um, the other thing that you have to consider too is when you're looking at a, a vehicle with a large range, it has a large battery typically. So if you're looking at like a Lucid or even you know the Rivian, the Rivian's got a 135 kilowatt battery. That's a big battery pack. So even if you're getting a good amount of range, it's still just going to take longer just because you're, you're, it takes more energy to fill it up. And mm -hmm. so that's something to consider too. And and I would echo that sentiment. My my preference would be for the faster charging over overall range just so that you could keep moving. Um, and I know like the, the Mach-E compared to the EV6, uh, what you've got, Brian, is about half the max charging speed. And so I know that if I go to a fast charger, my Mach-E, it's going to take me longer than you in your EV6. Yeah, it's hopefully if a if a fast charger actually is fast charging. That's a whole different topic, but yes. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> right. And, and none of that's really specific to a used vehicle other than just being informed about your purchase of any vehicle you buy and knowing what it's capable of and what to expect and how you're going to use it. Yep. Tom, I think that's a really good point, like talking about things that you would normally look at when you're buying a vehicle. And so let's talk about that because a lot of times people are, are buying an EV, they're buying a used EV. They haven't bought a car in five, six years. It's not something they're really used to. So I want to walk through that for folks so that they are you know, aware of the typical things that I look for. And I think the rest of us look for when we're buying a used, a used vehicle, you know, and number one, right off the bat is I always look, check out the Carfax or the auto check report. Um, and again, that's, if you look at our website, you'll see all our cars have one or the other. Um, the vast majority of our cars on our website have one or the other of those reports available. Um, so look at you know look at where the car was. Um, you know if it was in a place that's got a, a ton of potholes or the roads aren't really uh, maintained very well, that's something that you might have to consider for suspension components. Um, does it have an accident report? Does it have a you know, salvage title? That kind of stuff um, to make sure that you're buying sort of a whole vehicle, right? There's not a, a major hit on that, the value of the car. Um, 
so th that's one thing again no matter what type of car you're looking at you need to look at as well um repairs if there's been any repairs done to that car and a lot of times you can't get that from if it's a, a used car trade into a dealership they're not going to have the the warranty or the, the repair history on that car but if you're getting one private party you certainly can there's a much higher chance you could get that information ask about it um tesla for example, doesn't really doesn't release the um, repair history on a car, so you don't know if it's had the main they call it the MCU, but the main um, unit in the car that handles all the um, you know the navigation that sort of thing, all the controls. If that's been replaced, um, door handles that's a really common failure on Model S's and that sort of thing. Find out what repairs have been done because there's a good chance you might have to repair those in the future if they haven't been done. Again, just like any other vehicle. Um, and then lastly, I would say, see what charging um, cables and what extras come with the car. So if there's a level one charger that comes with it, you know, make sure you get that. If there's an extra set of wheels, if there's the floor mats that come with it, um, if there's no floor mats, go to our website, buy some floor mats. That'd be awesome. Um, all those types of things. Anything you need with the car, see if it comes with it. Um, if not, find out where you need to buy that stuff. So those are the things that I typically think about. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to some of those components. I mean, Mike, you to point out something that I think is different in EVs <clears throat> and even with new EVs is the charger, right? So my car did not come with a charger and you're talking, you know, anywhere from, you know, level one, you know, 150 bucks to $500. That's, that's significant. So making sure you, you put that into the asking of, you know, that, Hey, does it come with a level one charger? Does it come with anything? I think that's important. And then I think the other, only other thing I'd add that you um, talked about just briefly, um, but on new cars, obviously there's, there's the um, tax incentive on used cars in 2024. There is a tax incentive. If the, if the vehicle is below 25,000, there is up to a $4,000. It doesn't take effect this year. So it's another, but there could be um, some local incentives. So maybe you have a local incentive or a utility incentive. Tom, Talk about your utility. I mean, your utility incentive was actually pretty awesome on, on your um, charging. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so the electric cooperative that I'm a part of at where I live um, offered an $800 rebate for the purchase and installation of a level two charger, residential charger, um, assuming that you also bought an electric vehicle. Um, I was able to provide receipts for the installation of that as long with the vehicle purchase, which the separate rebate for the vehicle purchase was $500. So I'm going to get a total of $1,300 back for the purchase of both the charger and installation and then the electric vehicle as well, which almost cover the entire cost of the installation of the charger. And then it still qualifies for a 30% tax rebate as well. Um, so, you know, another $500 coming back from the federal government in the form of my tax return. So, in all, I'll probably make money on that transaction. So that's that's good to look for as well. It's really good advice. So I think just recapping what we've talked about, you know, um, like with any car, like Mike was talking about, Carfax, take a look at the accident history report. You know, that's that's across the board, making sure you get service records, you know, things like that. I think for specifically for EV is trying to find out, you know, ask ask about fast charging like Mike was talking about. Take it and see if you can get a you know battery health report or charge it to 100% to see what the range is looking like. And then don't forget to ask about you know chargers or accessories that came with the car that you wouldn't normally have on a on an ICE vehicle. But 
I'd say that's the summary of, of what we talked about, unless I missed anything else. Well, I just had a couple thoughts. You know, the other thing that um, you'll end up seeing with with all EVs, frankly, is because of the weight. And we've talked about this on the previous podcast is, is the, the tire um, wear. And so if the if you have some alignment issues, potentially, you're going to have some different wearing, especially with some of these vehicles that have air suspensions. <clears throat> what they're seeing is a lot of the in, a lot, usually the inside of the, the tire is worn a little bit more than the outside. So make sure you take a good look at those. And I always say, um, you know, get a get a third party inspection on the vehicle if you can. Um, ideally, take it to the dealership just because they're used to those EVs, especially with the newer ones out there. They're going to be the experts in it. So take it there if you can have a, a pre-purchase inspection done. Um, and the other thing too, that's going to factor in when you're buying a used car um, is if it has any paint protection film put on it. And a lot of people are putting that on their, their EVs when they get them for the first time, because they're, they're a large investment and uh, people want to take care of them. So that'd be one thing to check out too. I mean, if it has it, um, usually that's a couple hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars worth of um, costs that the previous owner put into that car. It will save the paint and usually it makes it look a little bit nicer. So, you know, is it a deal breaker for me? Definitely not one way or the other, but it is a nice add on if it is there. Good point. That's a good point. Well, I think this is all really sound advice guys. And I appreciate you coming together to, to, to put this up. And, um, I also want to remind our listener that eviuniverse.com has thousands, literally thousands of listings of used cars that are up on our site and available uh, for you to purchase. And, go over and, and check out. And if you have questions, um, reach out to us and we are happy to answer them and be that resource for you to help make that transition as easy as possible. And I know that's a message we keep pushing that we are here to be transparent and we are here to be helpful and to make this an easy transition for you into that electric vehicle space. Mike and Brian, I appreciate you guys being here again, as always. Thanks, Tom. Enjoy the Mach-E. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep. And real quick, the Mach-E, Bryant, there is no old man mode. It's just unbridled. It just goes as fast as it wants at any time it wants. It's weird. It's a perfect it thing for you, itself, Tom. Really? Oh, that's crazy. Just, just fast. All 100% the whole time. But it's like it's made just for you. All right, guys. <laughs> Take care. Right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Plug In for More. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, EVUniverse.com. Until next time.